0: hello and welcome to another episode of bz listening i'm your host bz douglas and this is my little variety show featuring interviews with grassroots performers and activists as well as the the occasional journalist and and politician it's uh, a bit hard to pin down but the common denominator of every episode is it's me talking to folks who are doing their thing and i'm a fan of their thing Today, I am bringing a new thing to the show with my guest, Sean Wickens, who will forever hold the distinction of being the first comedian on the podcast. I met Sean about 12 years ago, back when I was going through my improv comedy phase. He happened to be passing through Cleveland a couple of weeks ago on his way to play a show in Louisville, Kentucky, and was able to swing by the house and sit down. Uh, So today we chat about the improv scene circa 2007-8 when we were first intersecting, how he came to found the Bad Theater and Film Festivals, and his latest endeavor, co-hosting the Stoner Morning Show, which uh, has been described as a cross between Cheech and Chong and Good Morning America. And he does that with uh, fellow comic Lex Morales. And that show also just kicked off its own podcast this week, and be sure to check out stonermorningshow.com for all the 411 about this 420-themed show. Uh, One more thing before we get to the interview, I gotta do, this show's ad-free, and that's all thanks to my Patreon supporters. I recently updated uh, the benefit tiers, and anyone donating $3 or more per month is designated a BZ backer and is supposed to get a shout-out on the show's footnotes for that month. Since it's Thanksgiving for this week, and and I'm way overdue on the shout-outs, I thought I'd just like to take a moment to thank my first two BZ backers who jumped on months ago. Uh, Michael Hornsby, who was actually the winner of this month's Patreon swag giveaway. He got a copy of Snow White Zombie Apocalypse, which was the one-shot comic book by uh, guest Brent Langle, who was on a couple of weeks ago. And Michael McFarland, a former guest and incredible musician, artist, and producer. Uh, and lastly, Big shout-out goes to my boss at uh, Blackbird Digital, Pat Walsh. He kicked in $12 a month, and that earns him the title of BZ Producer. And that in- also includes a plug. And honestly, I, yeah, I don't know how well this tier is going to work out in the future if I'm going to have to plug things that you know I hate or I, I don't know, that I don't give a shit about. But um, it's not hard for me to talk up Blackbird as an agency. I've worked is a web designer and developer for over 20 years now at agencies, large and small, international and and local, and Blackbird is far and away my favorite. Uh, We combine award-winning web design, acute knowledge of technology, and marketing savvy to help your organization. Uh, We specialize in developing for WordPress and HubSpot, but never shy away from working on something new if it's necessary and we've also done some pretty cool uh mobile phone apps uh the sites we build are also they're always set up with self-service in mind so you won't have to come back and request help every time you want to make changes uh i've seen web developers and in, in agencies who operate that way and honestly they're pieces of shit we're not pieces of shit so to learn more uh visit blackbird.digital and if you come on board with us I, probably I will be working on your website so that'll be really cool and uh, if you'd like to become a Patreon supporter just visit bzlistening.com click on the Patreon link in the top menu bar and you're on your way okay yes thank you thank you for sticking with me through that plug business I know it was rough but we got through it together and I think we're stronger for it and I love you more than I did at the beginning of this intro and now Here's my interview with Sean Wickens. Yes, yeah, so we just dive right in mm-hmm. um, because uh, we started catching up, like upstairs in the kitchen, or getting yeah. coffee, and and I was just uh, choosing right before... choosing mugs.
1: Yes, very important. <laughs> and and dairy. Yeah, choosing mugs and dairy. We had all creamers. the options. There's yeah.
0: there's even LaCroix if you wanted to go uh, uh the odd route sure, and, sure. and carbonate your coffee a we'll bit. See, or, yeah. yeah. I wonder what that would, someone's gotta have done that. Just it's, like a, a fizzy iced coffee. Oh
1: yeah. I um a friend of mine we were hanging out recently and we, we were just talking about picklebacks, you know, and just like interesting food things. And we came up with like How about a shot of bone broth after, uh, like, a shot of tequila? Um, And
0: we're we're sure somebody does that. Yes. uh, Yeah. I'm sure someone could devise the health benefits for that. Oh, right, right, right. But anyway, yeah, so we were making our our choice in the kitchen, and um, it it had struck me before you were coming over here what, uh, like, link you are to a whole different, like, chapter when i was um so I, I met you when i was doing improv and you would have been uh what the mc running the uh people's improv theaters open jam yes sort of uh,
1: my friend star kendall and i were hosts of improdome at the time which was a improdome yeah, that was it every, anyone show up and, and get on stage and, and improvise which was always a very fun show almost sometimes a, a wild party um but, it, it was but a, a really very encouraging good, space. It was a yeah.
0: really, really good time. How um, So how long have you been doing improv at that point?
1: I moved to New York in 2004, took an improv class right when I moved th- to town, and I actually met Star Kendall uh, in that first class. So we've been... He, we're, we're did kind you of start our at first, the
0: pit or did you go we to... We started
1: at UCB and... Um, how I found uh, the Pit's improv jam was somebody else I had met in a class, Chris O'Neill, said, um, oh, there's a free show at the Pit where anybody can jump up on stage. And we were like, oh, cool, let's do that. And unbeknownst to us, there was like huge drama between those places uh, and, and certain people from our class wouldn't go there.
0: I learned, I learned about yeah. that after the fact that there was like, the whole, th- I think it all goes back to like the founder of right, the pit right, was right. part of UCB and he's like, he did his thing and they were like, oh, you're, right. you're, you know, you're taking it and running with it and then, um, I, yeah, I, that's in, one I thing in, I didn't know yeah. how much, if you're interested in getting into because sure. looking back, I just went into it, I did improv, I'd, I'd always admired the form mm-hmm. but I never tr- want, really went, in, went for it. I did it out of uh, I moved to New York in 2005 with uh, the woman who had become my first wife. Yes. And because she was going for fashion mm-hmm. and I had done, always done theater, but just sort of like, I just did it. Like, right. oh, I like doing it. I'm not trying to be an actor. I kind right of, right. I went to school for that, but I let it go.
1: Yeah. Um. I had never done any theater and it was, it came from a, in some ways a, a need. I wanted to do some sort of comedy stuff. I kind of thought of myself as more of a writer. Yeah. Even though, at the time, I didn't think I could write a joke.
0: Wait, where did you come from again? You were coming from Cleveland. I, I came from Cleveland. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, and um, and I had taken some writing classes from Second City before I moved. There mm-hmm. was there used to be a Second City, I remember in that. Cleveland. Yeah. yeah, that only lasted I think three years, which was a
0: shame. So that's but, funny, we moved there like the exact same time. I right. I didn't start doing improv. Till and it was just out of like there's you can't do anything mm-hmm. amateur. Right. If like I just like doing plays. It's like no, get out of the way. We're, right. Someone's trying to build a career. Right, right. And improv was just like, well, I can do performance and I can learn this new craft and right. I can scratch that itch. Yeah, yeah. Of just like wanting to do performance, but I, and I'd always admired like stand up and and like I said, but it was fun to learn the mechanics of it. Right, and then find out how much it really does depend on like sort of the commitment and the chemistry of the people around you get yourself around. So true. Yeah.
1: Um, although sometimes it's funny, like sometimes individuals who don't get along do great shows mm. and you don't find out until like years later that, Oh, the, they hated each other. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's like a comedy is so weird. Cause it's like, uh, there are sort of, formulas that you can apply to stuff to make things successful but it's also very loose and there's always an unknown element that you can't account for and um, I always always have discussions with friends about how like, you know, the hows and whys and I feel like there is also always a ubiquitous unknown that you can't account for and you can't Replicate well,
0: I think the see here's the like the thing about having gone after going through improv, I feel like it's it should be taught just to everyone, mm-hmm. the, and everyone should go through just your at least your level one at some point, like the way you make you do gym,
1: right? Oh, yeah, because yeah. you
0: just learn these fundamental things of how you advance in the world and and you and, and nothing's more reinforcing than when you do it right mm-hmm. you get a laugh right oh Who yeah doesn't yeah. like making people laugh right it's is true. anybody yeah anybody i used to so, teach theater but to... The, the things that you learn in it on right. agreement yeah. oh yeah and and building things and, and and listening i think you know anyone can benefit from that i think but it is you tot- have to have this, you have to go somewhere further oh, sure. to, to really like okay make it really funny
1: i think it is lessons that are taught to kids more than we think. It's just maybe not called improv. I used to teach theater to kids once in a while as part of an after-school program. And it was very... It was like first graders and second graders and third graders, very very young. It's almost too young. The the parents wanted us to put on plays. And it was like, these kids just want to like run around and, and laugh. You know what I mean? So, in we never said we were teaching an improv class, but there were times the kids were improvising. It was like, you'd read them a story and then it's like, all right, now what do you think happened after the story? And like the kids would get up and and improvise, you know? Um, So, I think it is... Well, so many people who teach improv say it's like relearning how to play. Yeah. And um, that that does happen in school. So, um, but yeah, I, I wonder if there are... Because there's people talking about how kids should be taught how to meditate. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's like oh, yeah, things yeah. that I hear about. I wonder where in the country grade school teachers are teaching their kids to improvise.
0: I'm sure it's happening somewhere. So yeah. Someone should be doing it. Yeah. I mean, hell, I, I, you know, I've got kids. I live in the community. I know the PTA. Maybe, right. you know, I already do an after school enrichment for like coding. Oh, yeah. Why not do an improv right. thing for kids? Yeah. I think you
1: just talked yourself into a
0: new uh, gig. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I have this deep affection for, like, the stuff I learned and then learning the mechanics of it, like, you know, game.
1: Right. Oh, yeah.
0: You know, and getting, we don't have to get in all the technical minutia, you know, take a class. But at a certain point, it did start to just see, like, oh, the only way you get to, like, you want to play the UCB stage, you have to just keep buying these classes and really, like, throw yourself into it. And A, I didn't have the money, and B, I didn't have, like, the time. Right. For whatever reason, I just, like, got to three, and then um, I or, met... Or the will to play the the behind-the-scenes game. Then there's game the politics of, of, yeah, of it, yeah. yeah. Um, but then I met uh, Kelly Cray. Oh, yeah. At a random pop and I wanted to go to for my birthday. I
1: haven't seen him in years, but I have no. a good friend, Lex Morales, who ran into him in North Carolina, because I don't know if you keep up with I Kelly. I him on Instagram. Oh, yeah, he's always on the road. Yeah. And, yeah. And uh, an so I bumped into life, him and yeah. then
0: he was the catalyst for just starting a little indie team. Mm-hmm. Uh, the nine, Fa- nine famous Irishmen. Right. Which was just named after the like a article that was on the wall next to us when we all got together and decided to do a oh, yeah. group. And was that
1: inside the Triple Crown <clears> or somewhere else?
0: No, it was somewhere else. The triple I know
1: you. I'm sure you know about yes. the Triple Crown and you've done shows there in the basement. That's still running strong. There's oh, yeah. still stuff going on there. That's good to hear. Yeah. Um, and I feel like other sort of underground kind of homegrown grassroots improv scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, a group called the Armory, which is a few blocks away from the Triple Crown. I've heard of them. They yeah. were,
0: they, they were, I saw when they kind of first started. I remember yeah. that was maybe when I was exiting the scene. That sounds and right. Yeah. The, uh, but once I became indie, that's when I learned of like we were saying. There's the the rift or the beef between UCB and the Pit. Oh yeah. Like once I was someone, I was like, oh, I'm just going anywhere, and then I feel you're...
1: like it doesn't exist as much anymore. Yeah. There's Like well, a, low, a bunch that of... had
0: to have passed. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, Now they're not the only two, right? And
1: um, there's Pit people hanging out at the Armory now, and Armory people hanging at, at UCB. And the Magnet. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It um it feels like less of a big deal. But I I go to other towns and I hear of improv beefs in other towns <laughs> it must be just sort of the um natural progression of of the life of an improv scene yeah where there has to be uh, beef that eventually gets squashed because the new people that come in just sort of like don't care
0: about it and, and don't carry it on there someone whenever there's beef there should just i mean is there anything that would be smarter to do than just have a show were mm-hmm. the two beefing? Oh yeah! Team. You have to all play together, just like you know, lottery mix-up teams. Right. And then you have to do—you have to carry a scene and make people laugh and do good work. And that's just going to melt some of the tension, right. at least.
1: Well, so much of improv is—is—is is, is ta- you know, you're taught to sort of like get rid of the conflict on stage because that's what creates great stuff. And um, there's so much conflict that happens behind the scenes in real life. Years ago, I tried to start a conspiracy theory or like spread one that um, the beef was actually fake and manufactured and it was created as a way to help explode the improv scene. (laughs) And uh, nobody, uh, everybody I shared that theory to, nobody wanted to spread it around. It was was, uh,
0: controlled opposition. Right, right, right.
1: But you could argue that that beef is what helped that drama is is what helped spread it in in New York. Well, I think it was
0: going to spread inevitably. I mean, sure. there's no way that like, you know, as strong as UCB was, it wasn't going to like branch out to cover the terrain and open up the amount of space that having the pit come along. Right. You know what I mean? Like it was a physical space where you could go, you could do Imperdome. There were shows every night of the week. Right. If UCB wasn't able to expand and then they obviously succeeded. Right. Right. It was a, there was a demand for it. They supplied it. Like if the beef was just that he went off and did his own thing and didn't ask and say, I want to open up another branch of UCB. Right. Right let it go yeah 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 (laughs) (laughs) you know but uh yeah so I was just outside of all that and and doing the 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 hardest thing was that at least with my team um I only had like the time to commit to like I could be on one group Mm -hmm. and everyone was in a lot of different groups it seemed or most people were right and so we couldn't just like like let's Really learn our chemistry. Oh, you know, yeah, we'd get yeah. together with a coach. We had some. That's the other crazy thing about the time. The time that I was taking classes, like my level two teacher was Curtis Gwynn, mm-hmm. who has gone on to like do some so much amazing executive production. Right. Uh, uh, Stranger Things, st- yeah, yeah, Stranger Things. That was crazy when I saw his name right. on the credits of Stranger Things. Yeah, and, and one time he uh, couldn't make it, and I, my substitute teacher was Bobby Moynihan. Oh yeah,
1: so many exciting. People back in the day, yeah, and, yeah, and,
0: and and still. Well, and it was what that, that was definitely like a farm team. The way that like you'd hear about Second City in Chicago being for SNL, Of right. uh, the previous generation, it seemed USB really came into its own with the amount of people that um, you have, you know, like uh, Kimmy Schmidt, um, Ellie Kemper, Ellie yeah. Kemper. I mm-hmm. remember seeing her down in the basement of UCB, you know, yeah, and so many other people. And doesn't it just make you feel like we're we're failures? no No. i mean
1: sometimes Uh, but not i don't know not really yeah yeah it's
0: more it's more of like i know i I saw them work sure no it's not i I don't have any resentment like oh you know it could have been me like no i know why it wasn't me (laughs) I, i i was talking to you about this briefly like i dropped out of improv because my marriage was on the rocks right and i was like i can't commit to this yeah the way that I should and my, and my need to deal with that, the marriage folded. Yeah. But, I think more um, so other
1: people make me feel like a, a failure than, than myself. Yeah. I'm always asked if I, uh, when I say I do comedy, random people ask me if I make money doing it and it's, I don't know, it never feels like a compliment. It's more, it's like, they're just curious. Well, it's a but mysterious it seems, field. That's people, true. It's yeah.
0: not the way, you know, it's, I, as much as I know i know comics personally and i have followed stand-up comedy as long as i have right the idea of what it is to be a working comic as far as the logistics of that and now it's a whole new terrain too with so many comics seem like they have like you know a podcast that's a backbone for them of revenue to true something yeah something like right. that but then just being on the road and what that life would be um it's 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 i understand why it's a mystery and why is, people yeah. would ask like right. do you make money doing that right it's, right uh, you know you might as well be like oh i'm a traveling knife salesman <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: which may, maybe there still are out there in the world you never know do you remember seeing um back in new york there was a guy who i would see randomly in uh it, it never seemed like he had a, a set spot in Manhattan but he was a older British gentleman, white hair, white beard, always wearing a suit and he was always just like, he had boxes of vegetables and he was just cutting yes. vegetables and, and selling this like weird little... Knife that I've never seen sold in stores. I don't know if it was his thing. Yes. Yeah.
0: He had like it was in. He'd been Union Square. Yeah. Yeah. And there just I sometimes be like there, a shit ton other, of carrots, are yeah, like, yeah. Like, yeah. Sliced
1: around him. Yes. And he had such a great voice. I haven't seen him in years. He might have moved away or passed on. I don't know. But uh, uh he always felt for me as like an interesting part of New York. Right. I never bought any of his things, but I always enjoyed he- hearing. His per, perf, sales performance, uh, he did have a great – I bet we could find clips of him on YouTube or something like that of
0: older What would What would British people tag that guy? British yeah. knife, <laughs> Union Square, carrot
1: singing right. guy. He always had a nice suit, but I always think it was the same suit whenever
0: I saw him. Um, I respect that, like, you know, putting in the work of, like, this is my – this is my suit to go do this. Oh, and yeah, or, yeah. Or, yeah, just anything that was, you know, when people put their heart into, like, I was how just, I'm doing it.
1: Uh, two weeks ago, I was at a, a comedy show in New York, and the host had met a ventriloquist on the subway weeks, months previous, and had him on the show. And he was so good. um, Funny and, like, oh, super proficient ventriloquist. Um, and he got that way because he put on the work of just riding the subway hours and hours and hours, forcing himself to perform.
0: Yeah, I have a mad respect for anyone who, who can take it to the trains like that. Right.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I have uh, the comedic style to tell train jokes. I don't know. Well, maybe maybe that'll be a, a thing to force myself I to try think in the 2020. the
0: ventriloquist makes it – it gives you a bit of a like, oh – right fat, as opposed to if you're just a guy cuz you see people
1: singing on trains all the yeah. time but it is i and i hadn't seen him perform on the train but i had never heard of a guy carrying i think he had multiple puppets too
0: uh you know what you need you could do yeah. or i could see you doing mm-hmm. get up and and just surprise people and start with the ladies and gentlemen and everyone thinks they know what's coming. Sure, it's you're begging for change. Yeah. yeah, just and then just drop an observation on them.
1: Oh, right. Yeah, <laughs> that would be funny. Yeah. And then
0: just sit down. Yeah, yeah. Don't pass the hat. Don't tell them your name. Right, right. And if it was a happy observation, just sit there and be like content. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's uh, I that's some inspiration there. You're talking about like uh just talking about UCB I'm like I said I haven't that whole period of my life just as like came and went and oh it was yeah such a, it was uh it was a really cool time and that's where I met you mm-hmm. but um then I I went into stand-up for a bit after the marriage crumbled that right. was actually the thing where I'm like that's my time again yeah I don't know why I didn't go back to improv it was just sort of that group was done I honestly I'm it's kind of surprised I of didn't do
1: that it's probably because of that and you had because of a relationship editing You had so much to say that, as an improv in an improv show, you wouldn't be able to address. I so yeah. I, well, you might be able I, to play
0: depressed characters, but yeah, it is a. Oh, it was an amicable, like sure. uplifting oh, yeah, divorce. Yeah. Oh, we yeah. both. She was like, you know, she babysits for me. Or oh, she okay. used to. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and no, because it was That's really the just ideal divorce go, then, yeah. whatever. And it was also, it was like triggered by cheating. Like she cheated on me and I caught uh, her and I didn't get mad. I was just like, look, I'm not making you happy. Go right. fucking be happy. Right, I'm going right. to do likewise. Okay? Yeah, 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 Okay? All right. And then what I did it's was I started to going that- to like, st- I wanted to try something I hadn't done before. Which yeah, oh, yeah. Stand up. Right. And I'd always venerated it. And I maybe lasted like two months, and I was going to the pit because they had um, open mics. An open mic there. That's when I got back to the pit after that.
1: I kind of found it by accident myself because, as I previously said, I did start doing improv because I thought I couldn't write jokes. And I did, for years, think that that was um, not my bread and butter or a cup of tea or, or, you know, or how my mind worked. I knew I could be funny in the in the moment. But, uh, and at the pit, the there was a, a solo festival, like a festival of solo shows. And I knew people over there and the artistic director at the time, Ronnie Pascal said, Sean, why don't you submit a solo show? And I kind of rebuffed him and I was like, I'm more of an improviser. I don't know if I could be on stage by myself. And he said, "Well, why don't you just submit something?" So I started going to open mics, just practicing three, four, five-minute stories that I was going to tell on stage. I wasn't telling jokes at these open mics. I was just trying to tell interesting, sometimes funny stories.
0: This is this is mind blowing to me because you're describing like how I went at improv. Because I'm the exact same. Like I know right. I can be funny in right. the moment. I'm quick at you know wherever I'm around or whatever. I'm not good at like, Oh, let me save that for later. What did I do that worked? What did I tag or comment? What did I comment on? If it was topical or something like I don't, I, you have to adopt that mindset, I guess, or I, or it's something you do or don't have. But I would get up on stage with sort of like, I'm going to tell this story and this story, like, you know, and get, to through them like and they would be the sort of stories that like oh if i was at a party and i had everyone's attention right to tell my story right right just like set myself in that context and this is my thing and then figure out a link if possible to get to the next thing but not boil it down to like jokes just as far as um but yeah, so it's it's resonating with me, like kind of like what you're saying, like your mindset or the struggling with that. And right. So you got past that just going to open mics. Were you then writing down what worked and trying the same things?
1: Well, I was sort of, um, I was nailing down stories, trying to make them funnier. Sometimes I would, in the moment, because if I, I had an improv experience, I would in the moment think of a funny thing. And uh, I think as I was preparing for this half-hour show where I had to be on stage for a half hour by myself, I sometimes did start, because some open mic rooms are challenging, some of them are very fun and exciting, but I found myself it for the challenging rooms thinking, what would make these people laugh? And I somehow just started thinking of jokes not in... Um, Amazingly, only heading to the open mic, which I, I had that sort of like last minute mm-hmm. procrastinating, like it's now or never. I would think of jokes heading to, yeah. to the open mic. It, it, it sort of like triggered a.
0: Now, would you say the ha- When you say the harder audiences, it, to my mind, that means it's when you're playing mostly to comics.
1: Well, there's some open mics that are. Well, in New York—they all have comi- yeah, York, all comics. Yeah, they're all
0: there's a lot m- less homogenous mics. That's right. In Cleveland, mm-hmm. there's a real dichotomy. Oh, there yeah. Are, oh, there's an there's a comedy open mic scene, and there's a music open mic scene. Oh, okay. And there's a couple of ones that are at bars where comics will wade into. Sure. Oh, but yeah. But it's usually it's a rowdy spot that's not really listening. Right. Right. Um,
1: it, in New York, it's always usually um other com- it's always other comics in the room. Uh, but for some reason, some open mics there I think it has to do with the the vibe of the host. sometimes the host is like, let's have fun while we're here even though we're all trying to work on material mm-hmm. and there's some hosts that are just like whatever you're 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 depressed I'm depressed nobody's excited about performing for other comedians let's just get through it and those yeah. rooms are like less fun than than others. Um, but I actually, I think this is the first joke that I, I remember the first joke that I wrote, and it's um. Uh, it's very New York specific. But I um, I would say because there's a city bikes in New York, the the, the bike share program, mm-hmm. and um. I at the time I was telling the C- city bike was already there for three or four years or or something, so it was funny that I was just now, uh, as a late adopter. I would say I mean I, I think I'm going to finally get a city bike account. How does it work? I would ask somebody in the audience and they would say, "Well, you you use your card to unlock the bike or you sign up for a a, a membership." And I say, I say, "No, how does it how does the bike move?" <laughs> and they'd say, "You ped, you pedal it." And I'd say, "Oh, okay. How does it steer?" And then people would be confused and eventually somebody would so, and then I would cut them off and I was like, probably the handlebars, right? So, it's like a bike. That was my first <laughs> joke. Um, and my friend, Lex Morales, in, in a way, it's not a joke, it's a fucking with the audience. My friend, comedian Lex Morales always says, sometimes you tell jokes, but sometimes you just fuck with the audience in a, in a funny way. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, geez, you're probably right. I never would have called myself somebody who fucks with the... Because that's not a thing that I would that's not a thing that I enjoy doing I don't, I don't enjoy fucking with people yeah. but I enjoy having fun so um it's, well funny that's that's the more of just that, a yeah.
0: you know just sort of a sucker punch joke yeah, where yeah you yeah. lead into like oh I'm asking an honest question right yeah. right right um and you know then you just you you, you make them look the other way like, right yeah right. you slap them but it's not you know I don't think you're being mean no like, no look no, at no. this fucking asshole no, like yeah you know. yeah so
1: But yeah, that came about just from seeing some, I'm on my way to an open mic, I have stories I want to tell, but I'm like, what else could I do to make people laugh? And I just probably saw somebody struggling to get their bike share thing out of the bike rack, which is a a common gripe that uh, New Yorkers have with those. So that's how
0: it came about. Do you have a discipline you've developed as far as like, oh, you write things down or keep a... How do you keep things in mind?
1: Kind of. I, um, I always just sort of... It's funny. Once you start creating material, a lot of times material will just happen out of thin... air. Like a joke will just pop in your head. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's times when I feel like I haven't been productive. I will sit down and try to write things. And when I was first starting out, I was writing stuff longhand of like kind of... Um, stream of consciousness just to see what would work out you know and now I've done it so often that I kind of just do bullet points and um when I was first starting out I would never try a joke on stage without really writing it and sometimes now I'll just have a loose idea of how I think it'll work and, and just try it out on on stage um to varying degrees of
0: success yeah do you find that uh being, you know, a comedian, you have to sort of live in a, a different state of awareness. Like, if you're like, "Oh, I need to be," fine, or or is or is it more just like, "Oh no, I just honed how I already naturally am." I yeah,
1: I think that's the 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 case. Um, I I never think of myself as a, a comedian's comedian. You know what I mean? I'm just, I'm never. I don't find myself necessarily on when I'm hanging out with people i mean there are times when i'm trying to make friends laugh Mm -hmm. um i I don't know i'm i i'm guess i'm more of like a renaissance person comedian just because i am involved in other stuff as well
0: yeah yeah i um um, what what pushed me away from stand-up honestly was the scene it was it was just the camaraderie Mm -hmm. didn't exist and so i'd go to mike's I'd see comics who were, like, really good, like um, Mike Lawrence, and, mm-hmm. and I remember, and he was, you know, just playing, like, grinding it out, and uh, all these others who were, you know, I'd see them, they fantastic, and I'm, like, you know, into my uh, second or third set ever. Right, right. And try and, like, chat with them afterwards, and there was sort of this, like, talk to me when you're good. Oh,
1: right, yeah, yeah.
0: I, mean, I didn't get that from the pit and, right. and, and a lot of folks there actually i mean it, it would and this wasn't every comic but it happened enough that i ended up just usually hanging out with the musicians right and then the more that happened like then charlie Crockett like he actually when he was living with me I was just like really like like I'm gonna try music yeah. and I never really went back to stand up right I still like doing storytelling sets oh sure and just randomly like shooting stuff like right. you know just giving a shot at some random monologue or something like that mm-hmm. when i used to go to uh, I love Penny's open mic or the open mic downstairs. They would always have a theme. And that would be fun to just show up and play with. Right. If I had like an old... Something that would have been stand-up back in the day. But right. just not, don't call it stand-up anymore. And all of a sudden, you're freer. Like, yeah, I'm just here to talk. I just got some shit to say.
1: I think that still exists to some extent. In, in some ways, it got better. I think it depends on the, the room you're in, you know. My favorite uh, open mics are still... Um, like in Anything Goes open mic, where it is sometimes musicians, sometimes spoken word. Um, I think that variety makes it just more interesting for the audience. I know. And and, and it also draws sometimes non-performers
0: because it has that excitement. You get more civilians. Yeah, yeah.
1: We don't know what we're going to see next, so it makes it more exciting.
0: The um, the other thing is uh, you really, laugh fatigue is real. Oh, yeah. I've been to shows where, it's like five comics. They're all amazing. Right. But by the third one, I'm just like, oh, God, my face hurts. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like um, I am I got nothing left. This is great, though. <laughs> it's, it's like a, It's like yeah, yeah. It, great food, but you can only eat so much at a yeah, time. Yeah. You need to stop and take a shit right. or smoke a cigarette and come back to it. And right. so, yeah, I like when a room is broken up with like, okay, now I'm just watching someone do a performance, a dance performance or right, right. play a song.
1: Yeah, um, I think those rooms are also more welcoming because sometimes I go to open mics to just try out a story. To this day, I'm not always working on jokes, and some sta- some open mic, some stand up comedy open mics aren't welcoming of the uh, like a story is somehow too different from jokes, and they don't want to mm-hmm. touch it. But those anything go mics, you can tell jokes one week and just tell a story the next week and and it's they're not
0: uh taken aback by it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I those are the, those were the rooms I appreciated. Yeah. And then um so did improv cease to is that still like something that you you play around in or is that tapered off? It
1: yeah, it's definitely tapered off. I get invited to do some random sitting on random shows. I I still coach improv in uh, New York which is always fun um, but yeah it's so it just sort of led to other stuff for um, star Kendall who we used to host Improdome together uh, he was always an improviser/ actor probably more actor than an improviser and I was always just improv and in comedy but uh, eventually we started years ago bad theater fest out of a need for like we, I was doing a bunch of improv festivals and seeing the improv festivals grow and not, I didn't see any benefit for the improviser other than Mm. stage time, you know? And he was doing festivals and it was a lot of fun, but never getting paid for stuff. And always, and we would get, when is that now? Is that annual? It, it, it's annual, although we did take two years off for various uh, inability to find location right. reasons. Um, but we just did it. This yeah. So walking no- through
0: the bad film festival because I've only yeah. seen this from afar on like yeah, social yeah. media. I'm like, this sounds cool.
1: Uh, we started the bad theater fest first. It, it wasn't. It came out of a, our own frustration of like we would get um, rejected by festivals because we would always come up with crazy ideas. He's an actor. I'm a, a improviser, we'd collaborate on stuff. Sometimes we landed on some sock puppet stuff that we, we were doing sock puppet improv for a while. Um, and that would get... I re- might
0: have seen a bit of that.
1: Probably. Um, we did definitely do it at the pit a lot. But we would submit it to theater festivals in New York. Th- things that we thought were open to anything and we would always get rejected. And um, we, we just started talking about how it seems like our ideas... Although they're fun, they're somewhat too bad for other people. So, we just came up with bad theater fests. We had actually been talking about it for like two years before we actually decided to do it. And it kind of, in a funny way, did happen by accident as well. I took a producing workshop, a one afternoon producing workshop that a friend of a friend recommended on Social media, just like anything. live thing, or yeah, your or, own producing or, your own work. Yeah, and um, there was a point in the workshop that we went around the room and it was like, What are you thinking about doing? And I said, I really took this just to see what would happen, but the more I'm taking this, or, or it was you know, just to see what kind of random ideas it triggered, but more in the more I'm talking about or, or in this room hearing about producing your own work. I said, a friend of mine for years had been thinking about doing something called Bad Theater Fest, and everybody in the room, all the other participants, even the uh, the host, were like, "Oh, that sounds exciting!" Um, and so I left that workshop, and I was like, "Star, I think we have to do it." Um, it, it kind of like it field tested the idea, you know? What yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. Um, so we started it in 2012, and. The first year was like kind of a mess, but it was very exciting. We some t- we somehow survived and got through it. And we thought um, a film festival would be easier, so we just decided to do both. Um, but it really is just like a. Uh, oh, we try to pay the performers for the, for the bad theater fest. we, yes. we don't um, keep all the money. Uh, so how if, did you, you develop
0: break- the the like call for submissions and selection criteria, or was it really like if you applied, you're in? Uh, so whatever, like it a certain f- cutoff?
1: Yeah, the first year it was probably if you applied, you're in just because we had less submissions. Um, but it really is, uh, sometimes people submit things they've done before. Sometimes they submit things they write specifically for this. And sometimes it's people who have had ideas rejected from so many other places and they think, well, Bad Theater Fest
0: is the only option Um, so they might you I mean you might have some just delusional people (laughs) or or, that I guess that's what I'm wondering it's like how many people put up like this is my terror, like like you know would Tommy Wiseau right enter the room in the bad film festival
1: probably is he
0: conscious of it like now he knows it's it's his niche right but when it was his thing his right. new thing so i just wonder how many people are like i'm setting out to make something bad versus like well whatever no one likes it i think we but get less i of, think it's great i
1: think we get less of that than we, than we used to um i think it's bad theater fest does feel, feel a, a small need in new york where it is hard to get something put up on stage so i think we really do get so much of desperate how do you exclude
0: people who, like, no, you've already done your your things good enough to have been on another stage?
1: Uh, I don't think <laughs> we've ever that? had anything twice. But we ha- we do welcome people back. Yeah. People will submit new things, you know. Um, but I think there's just so much of a need and a um, – uh, there's a, such a demand for space and such a low supply for it that we really do get just, like – I, this is something I want to try. And it's new and it's not refined. Um, and, and we do have a cutoff of like 20 minutes or less. So, it, like every night is kind of a showcase of a, a, a bunch of different things. It's kind of like a variety open mic in, right. in some weird way. Um, and, uh, you know, we've, we have had things that did not go well on stage, you know, but we also have had great, amazing performances. I feel like the name Bad theater fest one it always gets press just because it's so kind of unusual Mm -hmm. and the i think the audiences will lower their expectations in a great way where it's they are welcoming of whatever they do get to see yeah um which i think usually if you're paying for live theater you want you're hungry for it to be good and if it's not good, you are very dismissive. You have a high, high expectations have a, yeah, and then high reality threshold. hits you in the face. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. right. Uh, so um, it's been an exciting journey. We tried – the reason partly it, we didn't put the Theater Fest on for two years is because we tried to mount one in Philly. We were just going to do a Friday and Saturday night, and we had submissions, and it went like it was going to go well. It seemed like people were excited – to participate. I had a friend who was down there in Philly who, who was helping us coordinate the space and everything. And um, the week we were supposed to put on the festival, there was a fire in the theater that shut it down. And um, it was a kind of a mess. We, we nearly found a, a replacement venue, but my buddy down in Philly was like, I, I don't want to turn our back on these people. Like it, it seems like we're, yeah, uh, you know, and they gave us a, a a return date or of like three months. We'll be back up and running, or mm-hmm. or, two, or three weeks, and then that date got pushed back, and then that date got pushed back, and then it just didn't happen, and it ruined our planning for the New York one. Uh, and that yeah, so that seems like a lesson lesson learned. Yeah, like, I mean, the
0: lesson. Our show needs to go on. The show needs to go on. Yeah,
1: we should have put it on uh, in the other alternate venue, but yeah. Uh, You don't um, learn those lessons until. uh, Well, I mean, there's there's all the cliches
0: about failures and sure, yeah, yeah. The pit, actually, I've referenced the pit many several times over the years because um, I never let go of what was printed up on the wall: the follow the fear. Oh yeah, yeah. Ethos, right? And just being like, yeah, wherever you're like afraid of trying, or like go like go go towards it. Yeah, and especially with performance because it's. Your worst, you know, whatever your worst fear is, it's, it's irrational. Right. It's true. It's nothing to really be afraid of. Right. Yeah. Unless you're, you're, you're afraid of like pulling off a crazy stage combat move. Right. (laughs) Right. If you're afraid
1: of breaking your leg on
0: stage. Yes. Don't follow that. fear. Yes. Consider that fear deeply. It is a
1: good. Yeah. I feel like I have, even though I might not quote it, I probably have taken it in, um, on, on a huge level. And I also credit The Pit with... I mean, I wouldn't be doing stand-up if it, if it weren't for their solo mm-hmm. festival. Um, I feel like The Pit has always been um, very encouraging of like, hey, do stuff here, but also start your own own thing and do something somewhere.
0: They weren't trying to funnel you.
1: Right. I never got that feeling from... And they also have, to this day... Hanging up inside of the the bar of the theater Is let's fill the world
0: with artists
1: I I always felt like they they, they did
0: really want to create I think it morphed That that phrase morphed into too Like just allow yourself to suck Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah Because I I know that for certain Like I I had to have done that Just with, you know I knew I was doing that When I was starting to play music I'm like, I'm not great at guitar Oh I'm not strong at singing But this is how you get better Yeah uh, and that was the key difference between sort of musicians and comics to bring that one thing back. The musicians were all like, "I see where you're going. Oh,
1: yeah. Keep it up. Like, right, you right. know,
0: encouraging me. And, you know, now having looked back empirically like, oh, I was fucking terrible. I can't believe people right, were nice right. to me. Not that I'm like amazing now, but I know I'm better. Like, right. you know, just vocals and playing guitar or whatever and pulling off a song. Right. Uh, I'm miles away from where I was, but... um, the really like the best musicians in the room would always be the ones who'd be like, Hey, yeah, right. I like, I see it, you know.
1: I think the difference between the clear difference between musicians and stand ups is that musicians know that you are capable of collaborating with other musicians. And I used
0: to make that stand up joke when I kind of did a throwback stand up set. Too. I said, That's the thing about comics is like, Hey, Sean, you want to jump up and tag this joke with uh, me? Right, it's right. going to be great. Like, now." like, <laughs> you know, maybe I could set you up for something like a plant, but otherwise, yeah, it's not like I can like point to like a really good musician in the room like, hey, come make me look better. Right, right. (laughs)
1: Uh, But its I think it's weird that stand-ups do have that distinction in their mind because even if you're on stage by yourself and another comic follows you, that whole night is a collaboration. The whole show is a collaboration. I, I think sometimes comedians don't See it the way improvisers do.
0: Well, certainly not if there's ones who kind of just set out with the mindset of like, I'm here to be shocking and alienating. Uh, Oh yeah. They don't give a shit about what who follows them to some degree. I mean, yeah. I it it, it's it's weird to think back or like what it is to see really raw and refined stand up and it's sort of natural and or you know, and it's just all the chaos that comes with like what can happen at the grassroots level of stand-up comedy. Right, right. Um and and for, yeah, for whatever reason. And I think there's a lot more volatility in the types of personalities of people who make up comics. This is just me armchair psycho sure, whatever sure. than there are with musicians. Right. Um to cause there's I, I don't know. There's one of the first artists I had on this podcast sort mm-hmm. of said about artists in general. He's like, Do you think there's we're sick? <laughs> <laughs> like, right, there's something wrong in our brains that we just have to do this and it's like why not and yeah 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 i mean if like you're like oh i i i know i'm funny and i have to bring this i have to do this funny
1: <laughs> right right i think it's something different in the brains i don't know if i would label it as sick maybe that's wishful thinking i don't know i just i just did some shows in rochester new york and while i was there i sat in on an open mic and the the host of the open mic his name's. uh Chris, I forget his last name, I'm blanking out at the moment. But he he gave the best introduction to an open mic I'd ever heard. And partly it's because there were, it was a room where there were just people hanging hanging out, civilians. And he said, um, hey, if if you didn't know this, there's going to be an open mic, a comedy open mic, hopefully you do stay. And uh, he said, said, we need you here because the interesting thing about a musician is he or she will practice their song. 100 times until it's perfect and prevent present you the perfection and a comedian although will practice won't know how good it is until somebody else hears it
0: um i thought that was a very like disarming and honest there's nothing like a just a good host who isn't afraid to be sincere right that was uh did you ever and then the mic was great did you ever go to mic club no that was like a basement of Lucky Jacks one. Oh and yeah. I kind of reminisce on that one with anyone I have on that was I like because like it the was name just it. the guy made everyone have this like, you know, we're here to share our art and he appreciated, you know, emotional nakedness. Yeah. He'd be like the kind of person who would be like, Wow, I you know, I'm really great that it's the only second time you've played out. Right. Yeah. Keep doing it. Right. And yeah. and he was, you know, just this font of love and support, and, Ooh, yeah. and that he made that
1: room like that, and and I think it's counterintuitive that um, some comed, not just comedians, but some artists, they want others to fail in or in order for them to be to excel. But I think that what is more truthful is that a strong scene does create stronger performers, and more people will succeed if it's you have a strong. Foundation, like how the improv scene in New York was huge in the ninety, late nineties, early two thousands, and look how many people successful did come out of it. Mm-hmm. It's because it was a close, tight knit. Yeah, everyone strong, was for every. I mean, that, right.
0: that's what I say is even like, though ba- were, that's baked even, into the cake of yeah, improv yeah. to a degree. Even like, though there were some dark
1: things that happened as well <laughs> no, there's still yeah. human beings yeah and yeah, yeah there's yeah. gonna
0: be shit hits and, right, and right. whatever but as far as yeah i mean improv does have that thing more so than like stand-up where what's baked into it is like we're all here for each other right right um you might look at another team and be like wow how'd they pull that off yeah like yeah the, when you see like that sharpness happen right and show and an improvised show come together um uh but the one that stands out in my mind that always blew me away is rogue elephant oh yeah yeah
1: the, solid and- team i was once in chicago uh for um i O's herald night herald being a sp- very specific form of uh improv show and i went into it as a performer as somebody who knows the herald and i this team i i wish i remember the name of it i walked away it was just like i didn't i couldn't tell that that was A herald. I knew the structure, but I couldn't see it within their show. Mm -hmm. I was just like amazed at how they were able to hide the bones within what they created. That's interesting where
0: it's a very subtle delineation, but the the escalations there and the the, hitting the beats. It might have been exactly
1: what they were, what I was taught and what I recognized, but somehow they did it so well.
0: So how did um, so from bad film fest to mm-hmm. um, now uh, the Ston- the Stoner Morning Show? Yeah, um, where is, what is the state of the Stoner Morning Show? So and Ston- what is yeah
1: it? Stoner Morning Show is a, a new project that came out from my friend Lex Morales and I doing some shows on the road and we were always talking about maybe doing podcasts. What else can we do? Uh, what were it, your man
0: on the street interviews when you were just in like a parking lot? I was watching your video. Oh, channel. yeah,
1: yeah. Were we just, uh, well, so Lex and I were in Raleigh crashing with a friend of ours and we were doing shows there uh, at uh, Good Nights in, in Raleigh, North Carolina. We were like, let's go downtown and shoot a video for Stoner Morning Show. We didn't know what it was going to be. We're, we wanted to interview me- people on the street and we got down there and we could find nobody. <laughs> So we just interviewed each other. It, it, it was just really an idea to cover up for the fact that we had no other ideas. Um, but we landed on stoners because, well, for years in teaching improv, I also if I if I find a group that doesn't get along, I will make them do a set as stoner characters because the magic of stoner characters, specifically for improv and comedy, is there's no conflict. There's you're not worried about like what's the point of the scene. You just um, you react to things with a sense of yes, of like yeah, cool or whoa, and like the, which are all funny ways to deal with um with with things. It's that a happens. great framing
0: device, yeah, for someone to be in the right headspace, right.
1: And so, and I I th- I feel like stoners are so um it is comedy in a way because they're they're clowns because they're they're not they're peace loving they're there to have fun or chill out and not get in any way but some percentage of the general population will treat stoners as like bad people or they're like afraid of like oh stoners like mm-hmm. you know what i mean so that juxtaposition in and of itself makes for a comedy because um, they're here to have fun, but people don't want to associate them. They're like, they're clowns in a way. Um, But we came up with, like, what would a funny thing for stoners to do? What if they did a morning show? So we've done some live shows already. We've done live shows in Pittsburgh, Scranton, um, Buffalo. We've done some stuff in New York. We've done stuff in my my, uh, living room. Um, Does it like the first 90 minutes just focus on making a big breakfast uh if we ever do a morning
0: morning show we definitely could do that like if you just went to the extreme we're like yeah the the stoner morning show is like six hours long oh the first two we're just making like stacks of pancakes right right (laughs) and
1: coffee i mean eventually definitely all of it yeah (laughs) it's mostly like talking about um headlines through a stoner i don't know it's funny like in a comedy show, there's things that you there, feel like no, you can't talk about. Is there a specific morning
0: show? Because I only catch clips of these things randomly when something bubbles up. Right. But is there a specific, like, morning show you're modeling it after? like a form Or even segments where you, you're pulling from that as you're...
1: Yeah, I don't think it's, like, a specific... I think it's mostly just sort of, like, local morning shows are funny because you're trying to have fun, but it's, like, weird corporate safe fun, and... I love like um, YouTube clips of like morning show fails, you know, because it's sort of like you still have to do this job and you want everything to be perfect and like they get so flustered, even though they're there to have fun, they get so flustered when some technical thing happens uh, or somebody actually says the F word on on live on air or something. Uh, So, that's just a funny juxtaposition within news or morning shows. Um, but we just like the idea of giving stoners a way to interact with any, th- like headlines or people in the audience. What's going on in your life?
0: Um, just like a so different point to see the world. You each have a stoner. Do you actually get high for the show? Sometimes yeah. it
1: depends on the, if the venue is if cool to have us. But they're like, don't do anything illegal. Like then we we. But well, we also can eat stuff, so it doesn't matter. In a way, it doesn't matter. We don't have to be smoking in their parking lot, you know. There are times we do show – we have done live shows. People get mad at us that we're not smoking on stage.
0: So, are you putting on a character or more just putting yourself in a mindset? Like, or do you both like, oh, you're this type of stoner. I'm that type of stoner. So, you have – We
1: haven't had that kind of discussion. It's more so it's just – It's a funny... It's kind of like how I said at the beginning, like there's always an unknown element in a way. Yeah. Um, We've talked about how even though we're playing characters, sometimes stoned, sometimes not stoned, we are still somehow being more true to ourselves than we would be if we weren't playing these characters. Um, Because
0: we're... You can let certain veils drop.
1: Yeah, yeah. We're just there to have a, a good time. Like we did a show in... Richmond, Virginia, and at the time we would introduce the show, and we would immediately talk about how, hey, this is an interactive show. We're we're gonna we have we're gonna do stuff with us, but we also want to hang out with you. And um, somebody raised their hand and said, "What do you think about Confederate statues?" And we were like, which at the time was like a big ongoing debate in, yeah. in the Virginia area. And we were like, it's not what we want to talk about but it's out there now. So we did deal with it in a funny, honest way. And the very first thing we said was like, oh man, you guys want to talk about that? Holy shit. Which oh. is a very stoner thing to say. <laughs> like that. And we, we wouldn't have said that as ourselves. We would have addressed it, but we wouldn't have admitted that we were like kind of scared or right. like bummed out to talk about it. Um, so it's, it's a weird trick of the mind to play stoners where we're 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 not being how we normally would be on stage, mm-hmm.
0: but maybe we're being how we I should be see on how stage. Like, but framing it like that just framing yourself in mm-hmm. a way um On any kind of artistic project, you know, you can sit down and have a blank set of music notation in front of you or an uh, open Word document on, you know, your writer or whatever. Yeah. If you don't have that prompt or frame, like, this is where I'm going from, Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to play in blues style or I'm going to write horror, the more you narrow that down, so I can see how, like, if you just, like, this is how, oh, man, you want to (laughs) talk about... Right, yeah, yeah, well, you know, like I can immediately picture how you could just roll with that, and even taking the time to think of what you'd improvise next would just boil into the character, right? Right, I feel like, and you just I would just talk it through, yeah, almost and
1: like another fun thing that happened at that uh Richmond, Virginia show, we were there for the second best fest, uh. We talked a little bit about that. And then somebody brought up how the night we were there, it was the one year anniversary of a guy who stole a tank from a National Guard thing and drove this, this it around crazy. Richmond.
0: He's a hero.
1: Yeah. It, <laughs> He's and a like,
0: fucking national hero. He yeah. Be.
1: And so that was a fun thing to deal with too, because it was a guy going through some bad stuff, but it was like a crazy thing. Um, so it was like, We talked about how we hope he's doing better, but what a fun night to be here in Richmond. And, like, I think we even talked about how, like, this should be a new sort of, like, annual holiday for Richmond. like Tank Tank Day, Yeah, tank. (laughs) Tank day. (laughs) (laughs) Municipal tank Uh, day. So, it is a fun show. Um, Soon to be a podcast.
0: Yeah. so the best way for now is just follow you on Instagram Stoner Stoner Morning Show Stoner Morning Show. Yeah. yeah.
1: We're on Facebook as well. Um, I'm I'm about to head to Louisville, Kentucky with my sister and her husband. They're going down with me to to do some shows at the Louisville Fringe Festival. So you
0: doing uh, stand up or are you doing a Stoner Morning Show bit?
1: It's a um they asked I submitted Stoner Morning Show months ago and then they asked me if Stoner Morning Show would host their comedy nights. Um, so it's kind of like Stoner Morning Show presents comedy at Louisville Fringe. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. I actually, this is such a very stoner move. I thought I was doing a show on Saturday and Monday and just a week ago, I found out I'm doing two shows on Saturday and two shows on Monday. Oh. It'll be fine. But, uh, so very, I don't even have to try to be a stoner sometimes. I just, life, (laughs) life, life catches you by surprise, you know. Um. But I'm, yeah, I'm excited to see how those those will go. And it's like, we didn't try to come up with something that was flexible with formats. We, we really did think of it first as a live show. But we have recorded some test stuff. We um, So, it'll, it'll be a podcast as well. This whole Stoner Morning Show Presents thing I'm doing in Louisville is like a different thing. Um, it's just a fun vehicle of various ways to get to laughter. That's kind of... We talk about how... Because people are like, have a knee-jerk reaction to comedy and stand-up comedy these days. Um, It is a comedy show, but it's also... We're trying to create laughter. We're trying to enjoy ourselves. That's why playing stoners is so fun. Because like, stoners can have fun, but they also could have their minds blown uh, you know, and and they can have some downer time. So it's like it em- encompasses a lot yeah, the only of things thing going on.
0: Doesn't really, you don't really get angry. Uh, uh, yeah, angry not yet. stoners. Yeah, no, it wouldn't make sense. You'd more like if someone was doing something to make you angry, it would make you sad. Right, like you're yeah, starting yeah. to feel angry. It's I'm a like, bummer. I don't want to be angry, no, man. Yeah, Why are you yeah. doing this to me? Right. Ah, oh, now I feel angry. Right, that's making me sad. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So what uh, you're playing on Saturday and Monday? I don't know if this will get out. It might get out Monday. That's cool. Yeah. But uh,
1: Monday eight and
0: nine thirty, I think. I At have a Arts friend place. I have a friend in Louisville, so I'll let oh, him. Yeah. I'll let him know. Actually, he was one of the last the the guest I had on Halloween. Brent Langle. He uh, uh, he wrote a uh, comic book, and uh, he's down there, so maybe he'll make
1: Louis, it. Out. Louisville is fun. We were there last year for the French Festival, and we wanted to go back for an, a new. Oh, wait, I'm wrong. He's in Cincinnati. But oh, isn't yeah. That, is that really close. close? I think it's like maybe two hours away. No, okay. Then yeah. he's
0: But he's in Kentucky though, oh, on yeah, the yeah. border. Yeah. So, yeah, no. He
1: Louisville's wouldn't. a fun town. I feel like it's sort of what um, people talk about Portland and uh, Austin, Texas as being weird spots in those regions. But they haven't, I think they haven't
0: been picked up on the, as, as becoming now feel a, like. a cultural touchstone for like, oh, that's a weird town. I
1: feel like nashville is accepted as being a cool little town i Mm -hmm. feel like louisville is is on the verge of that even like scranton pa i don't know i was in scranton pa the last two summers um i don't know scranton has a cool vibe um it's it's weird uh
0: well it's been cool moving back to cleveland oh yeah Um, so I've always said, like, it's interesting how, like, you know, you go somewhere and it changes you. And then I came back to Cleveland as, you know, looking at music and having done stand up or whatever. Right. So now there's all these new things you discover in Cleveland at the grassroots level of paying attention to, like, oh, there's this arts festival. Right. Right. And there's all these great musicians that are around here. Yeah. That's amazing. And I wasn't paying attention to that when I lived here in 2000. Right. 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 It's true. Um, I, in a
1: way, I was I, I, I was involved in the Ohio Independent Film Festival before I moved. Uh, you know, I was doing stuff at Second City. There, there are things, there are resources, I feel like, in every place. It's just sometimes you're not cognizant of how much good they do until you leave and see that there's good stuff universal going around and like universal struggles as well. Yeah. It's hard to get the bad theater fest mounted every year, um, that kind of thing. But um, yeah, I think it does make you more appreciative just to see there's good stuff in New York and there's good stuff in your home hometown as, as well. Um, so I, I, I don't know, I bring up Scranton. We had such a fun time there and like, it's such a cool event, the Scranton Fringe Festival. I feel like um, locals might feel like, there's not enough going on, or, or you know what I mean. But um, I don't know; it's all moving in good directions. So,
0: well, they're pulling off a fringe festival. So That's right. Yeah. be doing all right. Yeah.
1: Um, the f- it's I've been forcing myself to travel, um, and do shows because because it's, it's hard. Uh, it's 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 easy to just stay in New York and try to do shows. It's hard to to go on the road and, and and make things happen and i have friends who in new york who sort of are, are like you must be disappointed by towns you go in uh, of like are they happy to see a liberal-minded new yorker in in visit their town and i'm like there's there's liberals everywhere i don't know it's a uh, if
0: you're going to a city, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, urban, you know, like a, then you know, if you were playing out in a barn in the middle of Worcester, right? Yeah, maybe you might want to dodge a few Trump jokes. Yeah, right, right, or not. I mean, yeah. also it's just but to, if you're like,
1: doing art in a barn, there's probably I don't know you've, you. You never know. You can't just discount everybody yeah, yeah. geographically, right? Like you know, it's I, I think there's people who outside of New York think that New Yorkers are all liberal elite minded people and there are some of those people in new york and in so, and people in new york sometimes don't realize that there's more diversity within the the country than than there is so yeah um I don't know it's been eye-opening to travel around and to do shows and and create laughter you know but it's been rewarding
0: well, thank you for rolling through uh, Cleveland here, and yeah. Louisville's going to be uh, lucky to have you. And oh, thanks. I hope I'm lucky to, to have, have it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really looking here, forward yeah. to uh, checking out the Stoner Morning Show, yeah. and and I will have links to your Instagram everywhere you can follow to find that on cool. the website. Thank you so much, Sean, Thank you, through. Brian,
1: yeah.